Dear listeners, Sairam and greetings from Prashanti Nilayam. Welcome to our radio program, Afternoon Satsang. This is a segment of Radio Sai's Thursday Live, hosted by Prem and Arvind at 12.30pm Indian Standard Time on Thursdays, only on Asia's stream of Radio Sai Global Harmony. The discussion is on the Ramakatha Rasavahini, a book written by Swami, and today's episode was first broadcast live on 18th September 2014. Have a listen, please. Welcome dear listeners to this week's Afternoon Satsang. It is a pleasure we welcome you to this week's Ramakatara Savaini episode. the satsang on Sita Kalyanam. Dear listeners, last week we were through the process listening to Swami's own description of how the Rama Sita Kalyanam took place. The song that we played right now is Swami's all-time favorite. Anytime that he narrates about the Sita Rama Kalyanam, this song invariably features or else he asks some singers nearby to sing the song and he would get so involved in the song, he would always repeat the words of the song. Such a beautiful experience and so today there's no prizes for guessing where we will be beginning the beautiful nectar story of Sri Rama. The wedding we had completed the first two days, the third day and we had reached the climactic moment of the wedding when the groom puts the garland around the bride and ties the Mangala Sutra. Right. And it's at that point in time, Prem, I remember Swami would always narrate a very, very beautiful episode. And whenever Swami would narrate this episode, there would be peals of laughter. But the spiritual or inner significance of this 
this event is I think as profound as it was a joy to listen to Swami narrating it every time you know and almost invariably every time Swami narrates about Ramasita Kalyanam he will definitely narrate this and I think it became a clue for those who are dramatizing this episode later because they would always include this detail in that dramatization and Swami would enjoy it so much when we see the Ramkatha Rasavahini Swami has definitely written about the entire Ramayana but if we see the kind of proportion of distribution almost you know Ramkatha Rasavahini comes as two volumes and almost three-fourths of the first volume is leading up till the wedding of Rama and Sita. Even when Swami would narrate the story of Rama and the Ramayana story in his discourses, a lot of emphasis would be given to the story from the birth of the four princes till Sita Rama Kalyanam. After that, you know, Swami would just narrate here and there a few instances, never go detail in chronological order and therefore it is really, really very special, this first part of the Ramayanam, which invariably whenever Swami starts narrating would narrate in great detail just as we have done here basing on Ramkatha Rasavaini he would narrate about each of the queens the wives of the four brothers he would describe everything in detail up till as I said the Sita Rama Kalyanam after that it would be just a few choicey pickings here and there so definitely even it appears as if when Swami narrates the Ramayana also the Sita Rama Kalyanam is some kind of very very important milestone and uh, important point in the narrative after which it would be as I said just pickings here and there. So, in that sense also the Sita Ramakalyanam is such an important turning point. Very true and dear listeners, if you were with us last week, you will know that we were playing clips from a discourse that Swami delivered on 22nd May 1996 where Swami was describing what happened on the first day of the wedding, the second day of the wedding. We had completed third day, this is the final day. day. This is the final day. So, we'll continue with that very narration. We'll play Swami's words, the couple of very subtle events which we spoke of when we started this uh, program. Swami will be telling that and we will try to discuss the spiritual significance which again Swami himself has given us and uh, that should wait till we listen to this beautiful narration in Swami's own voice. And instruments were played. Many ladies came from the court of Janaka Emperor. Sitakuramudu, Sutramugatu Tadu, Idarinoka Yidu, Joduga Guchinadu, Sitakutaguadu, Siramudu, Rare to Dagapodamu, Ramula Pendi, Rare to Dagapodamu, Sila Kekua Bushanalu, Ladies were hanged jewels, Mundara Darbarlu, there's a court in front, Sitakuramudu. And Rama for Sita. He's ready to tie up Mangasutra. They're made for each other. And appropriate selection. Rama is the right man for Sita. Let's go and see the wedding of Rama. Like this people started running in groups. And the sacred thread was tied. After that, they should garland each other. Rama is so tall. Sita is comparatively short. Sita held in her hands the garland brought by the servant maid. The divine secrets are so subtle. 
ఆ గార్లాండ్ సీట చేతిలో పట్టుకుంది సీత వాజ్ హ్యావింగ్ గార్లాండ్ ఇన్ అర్ హ్యాండ్స్ ఎంతసేపు అయినప్పటికీ రాములు మెడలో వేయలేదు షీ డిన్ గార్లాండ్ రామా ఫర్ లాంగ్ రాములు చాలా ఎత్తుగా ఉన్నాడు రామా ఇస్ సో టాల్ తనకు తన యొక్క మెడ అందలేదు షీ కుడ్ నాట్ క్యాచ్ హిమ్ కనుక తల కింద కొంచుకొని పట్టుకుంది సో షీ బెంట్ అర్ హెడ్ అండ్ హోల్డింగ్ ద గార్లాండ్ దీనిని గుర్తించినటువంటి రాములు లక్ష్మణ్ సైన్ చేశాడు నోటీసింగ్ దిస్ రామా సైన్ టు లక్ష్మణ్ అనగా ఏమని సైగు వాట్ ఇస్ ది సైన్ ఇది లక్ష్మణ్ తప్ప ఈ రహస్యాలు మరొకరికి తెలియదు దిస్ సీక్రెట్స్ ఆర్ నోన్ టు లక్ష్మణ్ అనే అందుకోసమే త్యాగరాజు కూడా చెప్పాడు సో త్యాగరాజు ఆల్సో సేవ్ ఎందుకంటే ఇంత సూక్ష్మబద్ది కలిగినటువంటి యొక్క లక్ష్మణకు ఎవరు కూడా చెప్పనక్కర్లేదు నోబడి నీ టు టెల్ లక్ష్మణ హూ సో ఇంటెలిజెంట్ తాను కూడా సైన్ చేశాడు అన్నాడు వీలు కాదన్నాడు ఈ టూ గేవ్ ఎ సైన్ సేయింగ్ నో అనగా ఏమిటి ఈ సైన్ చేయటము వాట్ ఇస్ ది సైన్ నీవు ఆదిశేషుడు కదా యువర్ ఆదిశేష కొంచెం సీత కూర్చున్నటువంటి భూమిని కొంచెం ఎత్తు చేయి అన్నాడు ఈ సెట్ దట్ ద గ్రౌండ్ వేర్ సీతా వాజ్ స్టాండింగ్ లిఫ్ట్ టిల్ హైట్ లక్ష్మణుడు చెప్పాడు రామా సీత ఉన్నటువంటి స్థానంలో మాత్రమే కొంచెం ఎత్తటం వీలు కాదు ఎత్తితే భూమంతా వెత్తాల్సి వస్తుంది అండ్ లక్ష్మణ సెట్ ఈస్ నాట్ పాసిబుల్ టు లిఫ్ట్ దట్ పార్ట్ ఓన్లీ ద హోల్ అర్త్ హెస్ గోట్ బి లిఫ్ట్ అయితే రాముల యొక్క ప్రతిజ్ఞ ఏమిటి బట్ వాట్ ద వాల్ ఆఫ్ రామ్ భక్తులకు ఎక్కడైనా నేను శిరస్సు ఉంచుతాను ఐ బెండ్ మై హెడ్ బిఫోర్ స్త్రీల ముందు నేను శిరస్సు ఉంచను బట్ బిఫోర్ విమెన్ ఐ డోంట్ బెండ్ మై హెడ్ ఈ ప్రతిజ్ఞ పట్టాడు దాట్స్ ద వాల్ అప్పుడు దెన్ వీలు లేకుండా పరిస్థితిని బట్టి లక్ష్మణుడు ఆ పీటల పైన కూర్చున్నవాడు ఎగిరి దుంకి రాముల పాదం పైన పడ్డాడు వాచింగ్ ది సిచ్యువేషన్ అప్రోప్రియట్ ద టైమ్ లక్ష్మణ ఫెల్ అట్ ద ఫీట్ ఆఫ్ రామ అప్పుడు లక్ష్మణుడు ఎత్తే నిమిత్తమై రాములు వంగాడు ఇదే ఛాన్స్ అని సీత మెరలో వేసింది రామా హ్యాడ్ టు బెండ్ టు లిఫ్ట్ లక్ష్మణ విత్ బోత్ ఆఫ్ దిస్ హ్యాండ్స్ ఇట్ వాజ్ ఇ రైట్ టైమ్ ఫర్ సీతా టు గార్లన్ కనుకనే సో ఈ లక్ష్మణ యొక్క యుక్తి రాముల యొక్క శక్తి ఈ జగత్వ్యాప్తి గావించే నిమిత్తమై ఇలాంటి అత్యంత సూక్ష్మమైనటువంటి యొక్క చేష్టలు జరుగుతూ వచ్చాయి సో మెనీ సచ్ యాక్షన్స్ కన్వే ది పవర్ ఆఫ్ రామ్ అండ్ ఇంటెలిజెన్స్ కనుకనే లక్ష్మణ్ ఎత్తడానికి వంగేటప్పటికీ మెత్తగా గవర్నమెంట్ వేసేసింది మూమెంట్ లక్ష్మణ బెంట్ టు డూ నమస్కార్ టు రామ ఇమ్మీడియట్లీ షీ టుక్ ద ఛాన్స్ ఆ గార్లాండ్ వేసేటప్పటికీ కళ్యాణం అయిపోయింది The moment gardening is over, waiting for the name. Adna Chuttu Pradachinna Chesthunnaru. They were going around the fire. Tadu Pari, Oka Chelikatta, Jalamunu Tetschi, Chindi Sarayu Nadi Jalamunu. A servant maid brought the water from Sarayu River. Kani, Ee Jalamunu Ramunu Padamunu Kadagali. Rama's feet had to be washed with this water. Patra Thishkundigari, Padamunu Kadagatan Ledu. She brought the vessel, but she is not washing the feet as expected. She was holding the vessel vessel for a long time. Then she started thinking. రహస్యాన్ని గుర్తింపజేసే నిమిత్తమై అనేక విధములుగా కూడా ఈ రకమైన చర్యలు జరుగుతూ వచ్చాయి వివాహ సమయంలో ఆల్ దీస్ యాక్షన్స్ వర్ టేకింగ్ ప్లేస్ అట్ ద టైమ్ ఆఫ్ వెడ్డింగ్ ఫర్ ద వర్ల్డ్ టు నో ద సీక్రెట్స్ బిహైండ్ సీత చేతుల నిండుకు పెద్ద పెద్ద కంకణాలు వేసుకుంది Sita was wearing bangles, very big bangles. Ippudhe maniyokka midhirapanamukko ucchek munduga ahalya sapa vimochan jarigindatta. Ahalya was free from all the curse before reaching this. Ii padamunu valla ne raiga marinatte ahalya sriga roopondindi. Because of the Lord's feet, ahalya in the form of a stone could come back to her form. Nenu maranu kaani, ii abharanam lantta sriga marinapudu nannu sriravanu vadala pedithaadu yemto. If all the bangles I am wearing, if they convert themselves into women, Rama may drop me. If you are going to get rid of this, 
this truth is known lakshmana tana angavastranni teesi lakshmana is taking the cloth he was wearing he was wiping the feet of ramana tudichi tadipari kalagamannadu later he said wash his feet chusara okkokka avataram yokka rahasyamulu inta atyanta suchyamaina untuga untuntayi the secret of every incarnation is so subtle secret of every incarnation is so subtle that's why swami stops and not just the incarnation everything that happens around the incarnation is also equally subtle that's what we can learn from this one episode isn't it definitely and we will be seeing it later in the ramayana also many occasions where lakshmana sukshma buddhi as swami says that is the subtle intelligence comes to the fore and one realizes that when one is connected to one's lord there is always this kind of understanding of what pleases the lord the most and the lord need not actually specify it or state it it will be done even without the lord specifying it and that is what lakshmana did swami narrates how rama asked lakshmana to raise the earth because he radishesha and adishesha is supposed to hold up the earth right. but then lakshmana says in the sense communicates through the eye that if i raise the ground where sita stands the ground where you stand also will get raised up it defeats the purpose and therefore he comes up with his own stratagem he realizes that rama does not want to bend before sita at the same time uh, without him bending the garland cannot be put around his neck so he has to ensure that mother sita is able to garland his brother rama at the same time rama should not bend before her and that is why swami says that he goes and falls prostrate at the feet of the lord and you know mother sita utilizes that opportunity and quickly garlands rama as i was listening to swami narrating this a very beautiful thought arose mm-hmm. that when you come to an impasse a situation which does not seem to have a solution now sita is not tall she can't be made tall rama is not short he can't be made to bend down what do you do it's like a stalemate and nothing nothing seems to be possible that could be done to solve this situation at such times the best thing you can do is just seek refuge at the feet of the lord and the problem gets solved i felt this was another message that swami so beautifully gives us because that is what lakshmana did when it appeared like a stalemate he just fell at the feet of the lord and the problem got solved within moments after that so anytime we are in a situation where everything seems impossible and nothing seems possible have complete faith and trust and just seek refuge at the feet of the lord character of lakshmana is a very very interesting one especially if you look at the inner meaning and inner significance of this entire story mm. because swami himself says lakshmana is the one with the sukshma buddhi and if you look at many of swami's discourses where he talks about the different aspects of the mind where he says buddhi chitta ahankara mm. swami says buddhi is like that perfect mirror which can reflect the atma swami mm. says that it is closest in effulgence to the atma and that is why if you look at lakshmana's character you no know, one thing is the sukshma buddhi the ability to understand what rama says and we've mentioned this many times before rama represents the atma and the other thing is that of righteous anger every now and then you will see that in another episode we're going to narrate hopefully narrate today even there we will see that everywhere whenever there is even the slightest defamation to rama the first one who erupts in anger is lakshmana when you are righteous there is a certain amount of anger which comes with it the typical portrayal of the angry young man you know mm-hmm. in all our dramas and cinemas because we always have that idea that when you are righteous when you're doing the right thing you, you have, have nothing to fear you have nothing to fear and that is what lakshmana always embodied and as you said this very episode of lakshmana bending down and sita able to garland rama you know sita represents the mind so swami says when you use your intelligence and your discriminative power to glorify the lord when you you know submit that intelligence at the feet of the lord then the lord becomes accessible to the reasoning mind you know mm. that's what swami says this that is the essence of this whole episode as swami narrated and that is why it's so special and the whole 
whole thing is done without any words transpiring between the three of them. And I am sure Sita would not even have looked at Rama or Lakshmana to indicate that she is not able to garland. Exactly. You know, given the description that Swami has given so far. It has all happened so subtly and so beautifully, you know, without any words being exchanged. You said that Lakshmana was a person who would get angry very fast. That's why he was also called Ashukopa. Mm-hmm. Ashukopa means one who gets angered easily. But the speciality of Ashukopa is that they are also Ashutosha. Ashutosha means one who is pleased very easily. So, we will see this later as you refer to the episode coming next. Though Lakshmana gets angry easily, since it is not a personal based anger, since it's a righteous anger, therefore it also calms down quickly because he doesn't have those feelings at a personal level. It is at a level that is higher than the self and therefore he calms down also easily. So, that's why he's also called Ashutosh. Ashutosh is a common name in India and Lakshmana is also called Ashutosha. You know the other person who is called Ashutosha? It is Lord Shiva. Lord Shiva is also known as a person who, you know, gets angry quickly but also calms down very fast. Mm -hmm. We have seen this happening. Delving more on the same point about Sukshma Buddhi as a reminder of two different episodes, you know. One episode where in Kodaikanal, one student displayed this Sukshma Buddhi, this subtle intelligence where he did things that he knows Swami will be happy with and Swami appreciated it and became very happy. It happened as a question-answer session. This was narrated when recently I had been to Chennai for a workshop. Over there, they were talking about the nine-point code of conduct. All right, nine-point code. Yeah, Swami is given for yes. the organization. And in that, the eighth point, they say, is the most simple to understand, yet the most difficult to practice, mm-hmm. which is, do not speak ill of others, especially in their absence. So, regarding that point, this incident was narrated by Brother Balram Chandra, who was an alumnus of the Satsai Institute of High Learning. He was saying that during the Kodai Canal trip, Swami was once mentioning about not speaking ill of others, especially in their absence. And after that, Swami called the warden and told him that tell the driver of the van because the students would go in a van and Swami would go in the car. Tell him to fuel the van full tank. So, that is what was the instruction given to the warden. The warden went to the van driver and told him that your van doesn't have fuel, sufficient fuel. Now, the van had about half a tank of fuel. So, he said, no, sir, there is sufficient fuel. He said, no, you better top it up. You fill it up completely. So, the driver nodded, no doubt. But then, after warden sir left, he thought, what's the hurry? Why to make a separate trip now to fill fuel? Anyway, the next day, they were going for a drive. Uh, During the drive, they would be passing by this route. He can as well fill at that time. That was his idea. Or whatever he thought, something like, basically, he didn't fuel the tank. The next day, as expected, Swami sat in the car and told the boys to follow and the boys were in the van and they went out for a drive. To the utmost horror of this van driver, Swami took another route and started going long distances. Almost an hour passed and they were still driving and soon the fuel in the van got over. The van got halted. Swami carried on. And after reaching back the residence, Swami was asking, where are the boys? Why have they not come? So now, what to do? So they said, Swami, the fuel in the van is over. So they're filling and coming and whatever. It happened. And once they reached half an hour later, as soon as they came, Swami called and asked the warden, I told you to tell him. Why didn't you tell him? Mm-hmm. And warden said, Swami, I told him that it should be filled. So then Swami said, then why he didn't fill? So warden was silent. So Swami then said it seems that, uh, I mean, this is what that brother was mentioning. That Swami said, see, warden says that he has told the driver to fill the fuel. Now, the driver has not filled the fuel. Now, is it the fault of the driver that he didn't fill the fuel or is it the fault of the warden that he didn't tell properly? And he picked up one student and asked him, tell whose fault it is, warden or the driver? Now, just the previous day, imagine you have been uh, told not to speak ill of others, especially in their absence. Doesn't mean that in their presence you can speak ill of them. So, the boy just felt that this was a test for him and Swami seeing whether 
whether he will jump at this opportunity to criticize because after all it is being divinely permitted swami is asking tell me whose fault it is is it warden's fault means because he was not answering swami continued to ask is it warden's fault then the boy said no swami it is not the warden's fault so everyone assumed that now the blame will be put on to the driver so then swami asked is it the driver's fault he said no swami it's not the driver's fault swami said then whose fault it is the boy said swami it is the van's fault that it stopped swami we can't blame the driver for it we can't blame warden for it <laughs> and swami smiled and said see this boy very very intelligent he didn't uh, and uh, swami mentioned about his sukshma buddhi and said see he is very intelligent he understood what swami likes he neither criticized the driver nor the warden he said that uh, you know it is the van's fault so swami was very happy with that this is just one little incident that i remembered because you know every time when this sukshma buddhi shown i remember on another occasion just one more little thing swami um, came out he, this was when swami was on the wheelchair the wheelchair is placed on the dais it would either be placed on the lady side or the gent side so that day when swami had come he had indicated that he wanted to sit on the ladies side of the dais and that is where he had been placed after that swami made a visit to the interview room and again he came back that time as he came back you know i happened to be sitting in the front there i just noticed with one finger swami indicated that he wanted to go and sit on the gent side of the dais now since swami indicated this front the two students who were there accompanying swami they were behind swami's wheelchair they were not able to see this so swami was placed on the lady side of the dais and if you remember one of these students was a boy from spain <laughs> so he would have difficulty understanding telugu right. so swami turned to him and told him in telugu and this time swami also you know that is the way swami does he did not point out with his finger to the gent side in telugu he is telling him i want to sit on the other side so this boy had no idea what was happening and at this time you know i was in like a horns of dilemma i was sitting some distance away i now how do you do it's a public event so what i did i had the number of the other student you know so i sent him an sms telling that swami wants to comment it on the gent side of the thing and so the other boy now he received it and i could see within 10 seconds he got up and he asked swami whether swami would like to sit on the other side swami nodded yes I was happy because we were on the gent side so physically it meant Swami is coming closer to us so Swami was chair was brought and placed on the gent side of the dais I felt so happy and the happiness was greater because Swami was so close mm-hmm. but then you know the minute Swami's chair was placed on the gent side he looked at me and gave a beautiful smile with that smile I knew that though apparently Swami did not know what had happened Swami was happy and I felt so thrilled so you know it feels that if you are alert to Swami and if you are able to understand what swami wants it gives so much joy to the lord that joy so much that it inspires each one of us to pray that swami may we always be alert like this may we always be alert it is not as if we have to be alert only when you know like when we would be in the darshan if we carry the swami in our heart if we carry swami in our heart every time are we as alert towards that swami in our heart as we would be when swami is physically present amidst us i think if we can inculcate that kind of alertness that kind of sukshma buddhi towards the swami who is seated on the throne of our hearts our lives will be filled with joy every moment even as you're narrating uh, these episodes about sukshma buddhi i'm reminded of something which one of our lecturers shared once to sure of the details but the episode as such and maybe without the details to it will give the idea of what swami expects from a devotee you know apparently it was one conference or something which was coming up mm-hmm. and swami was wondering what gift can be given as mementos to the people who are participating in it i think it's a doctors conference or something like that swami wanted to give some uh, good gift for each of those participants meeting members so swami is discussing with the people around him what can we give them it should be something 
something nice, it should be something, uh, you know, which is memorable and which can be kept for a long duration of time. Then suddenly Swami remembered that when he had visited one devotee's house, mm-hmm. there he was served food or something to drink on something like a silver flask in which you keep, uh, you know, beverages hot. So Swami remembered that and he said that would be a good gift to give. And so he started asking the people around, have you ever seen something like that in any of your cities being sold? So Swami was discussing this within the group when one of the devotees walked in into Swami's presence and then Swami looked at him and again started describing that flask which he had seen and said, have you ever seen something like this? I would like to give this for this particular conference. So this devotee, what he said, he said, Swami, I think I remember seeing it in one of the shops. And he said, Swami, just give me two minutes. And he went out. And Swami was continuing the discussion here. After some time, this person again walked in. He said, Swami, I found out it is there in one shop in Hyderabad. So next thing Swami said is, oh, is it there? Array, you should have told him to send one sample. He said, Swami, I have already told him to send one sample. So he said, oh, you already told him. Very good. Then after a few seconds, Swami said, you should have told him to send two. He said, Swami, I have told him to send two. And Swami was so happy. He said, see, I just asked him, do you know anywhere where it is? And this person has found out. I mean, he's asked for a sample and he's asked for two because he knew that Swami will prefer to have two samples for whatever reason. You know, that is the amount of being in sync with Swami's thinking that Swami wanted. And this would happen, you know, when you're constantly thinking of Swami. That is the only way we can think of. When you're always thinking, what would Swami want? What would Swami ask for? Beautiful. You know, because on the lighter side, I remembered one more episode that happened actually in the hostel, you know, one of the rooms when, you know, this we call it as Mundu cricket. It is a kind of cricket <laughs> that is played in the room with a very light ball and anything as a bat. It can be a piece of wood, it can be your examination pad, it can even be a book. Anything is used as a bat and you just play within the room. So, this room Mundu cricket was going on and one of the boys hit the ball which went to the top shelf. Above the cupboard, there would be an opening, you know, like a ventilator, which was a small shelf where you can put all the unnecessary bags and such things. So, the ball had landed up there. So, one student walked into the room and the person who was batting said, calling out by his name said, Hey, can you just check if the ball is on top over there? So, this brother climbed the window, saw on top, then jumped down and he said, Yes, the ball is over there. (laughs) I mean, so... Just literally following. See if the ball is there, yeah, it's there. (laughs) Though though it is humorous, you know, it gives such an insight that uh, when a person, especially the master, tells you something or asks you something, if you are able to understand the reasoning behind it and the purpose behind it, then you will automatically be able to take steps much more than what the master actually asked for, but very much in sync with what the master wants. You know, later in the Ramayana, we will also see, Swami says in his discourses that Rama never asked Hanuman to go and burn Lanka and come. You know, he just told him, if you find Sita, give this and come. Everything else that Hanuman did, you know, defeating the other three demons on the way, burning Lanka, uh, scaring the wits out of Ravana and you know, giving a piece of advice to Vibhishana. All that was done apparently on his own decision making abilities. It was not what Rama had explicitly commanded and yet Rama was very pleased, very thrilled. In fact, it is believed that Rama gave his ring to Hanuman because he was confident and had complete faith that if at all anybody finds Sita, it will be Hanuman. So, Hanuman is another great personality who is as always present in our studio today listening to the stories of Rama who had this Sukshma Buddhi and Lakshmana, Hanuman, these people who have Sukshma Buddhi inspire us so much that we too should be alert to the needs and wants and desires of our Lord Sai who is in our heart always. And even physically Swami would create so many situations where you could practice this with the focus on Swami. Many times you've seen Swami would very rarely use names to refer to people. Mm. Swami would refer to them in a very very complex manner. Unless you have observed Swami you won't know whom Swami is referring to. And many many times Swami would say that uh, you know that boy who is always smiling. And the warden will always know whom Swami is referring to because Swami would have just made a passing remark. Look at that boy. He has a smiling face. So when months later when Swami says that boy who has a smiling face, the warden will know that Swami is referring to him. You know, 
that kind of things will happen when your focus is on Swami. I remember, I think the boys who used to be around Swami, you know, uh, helping Swami with the interview room and arranging it. This would happen many times. Swami would refer to some person. That person eventually will be, you know, suppose Swami says that elderly person who comes to the bag. It will not be the elderly person who comes to the bag, but it will be like his friend who he brought and that person's friend who, who came along and Swami spoke to him. And these boys will know that because they know that the situation in which Swami is asking for that particular person means that it must be this person and this must be the connection. That can come when you're absolutely in sync with Swami, you're focused with Swami, you're observing Swami every day and you're drinking in every bit of Swami. I don't know if I narrated this before but I will love to narrate it again because what point you made is so valid. If you have to have the Sukshma Buddhi with Swami, you always have to think from Swami's perspective and be filled with Swami. Even if a little bit you are filled with your own self or you know your family or your personal whatever, you are not able to keep that focus on Swami because the focus is now on you. I narrated an incident where you know I got the joy of exhibiting Sukshma Buddhi but there are numerous incidents where I have flopped miserably. I remember on one occasion when I told him that my father is retiring, mm-hmm. my parents had just bought a small little flat in Mumbai to settle down there. That was when Swami said yeah tell them to come over to Puttaparthi. So instantly plans were changed within one week of my father's retirement we all came to Puttaparthi. So this was the first time that Swami was actually speaking to me physically and telling tell your parents to come to Parthi. And you know usually when Swami says like that you get excited that probably Swami will give you an interview. Right. So I was fully in those hopes that Swami will call me along with my parents for an interview. The first ever interview that I will have with Swami. That was my excitement. And these were my thoughts ever since we all landed in Parthi again. Right. I had gone to Bombay to help them pack up and come. So these were my thoughts. A month or two passed and after that we also got a flat in Puttaparthi and we settled into the flat and I was thinking what is this? Swami has not inquired about them at all. Swami, you showed so much interest then. Now they have come, now they are settled but now we are not inquiring anything at all. Will there be an interview? Will I? These were the thoughts that went on and on. One day I was seated in the bhajan hall. This was sometime in late September in 2010 and uh, as Swami came into the bhajan hall, he looked at me and he said, have they come? I got so excited. I said, finally, finally, months after that. So I got up and said, yes, Swami, they have come. So I said, already? I said, yes, Swami, they have come. Shall I call them now, Swami? Swami said, no, don't call them now. After one week, we'll see. So I thought, okay, there's something better. I sat down and Swami was on the chair. He was wheeled ahead. When he went ahead, he called one of the teachers there and he asked, have they really come? Then the teacher said, Swami, Dasara is after 10 days. So they will be coming maybe a week from now. And then, ah, that is what I thought. And as Swami said this, I realized that Swami was referring to the priests who come to officiate the Dasara Yagnam. So since the Yagnam was 10 days later, they would come about 2 days before the Yagnam. Right. So what sir said was perfect. Swami went a little ahead, turned around and as he was coming, once again he looked at me and said, you are sure they have come? I got up and said, Swami, no Swami, the priests, Swami mm-hmm. called them as Brahmanas. So I right. said, Swami, the Brahmanas will come after one week before because the Yagnam is after 10 days. And Swami, you know, clicked his tongue and he said, you, you heard it there, right? You said they have already come. Huh? And Swami, you know, beckoned to me with his forefinger like that and he, like a mock warning it was and Swami went. That was a simple incident but that is when I realized how when I am so filled with myself, I will be totally wrong in understanding what actually Swami wants from me. Yeah. I was so filled with myself that I looked at everything from my own perspective, exactly. lost the divine perspective 
perspective in a sense what you said was how attachment actually can deter you from that uh, sukshma buddhi or being in sync with what swami wants us to do but i would like to tell another example i know we are getting a lot into this but i think it's a very important point because all of us all said and run have this deep desire to connect with that swami within and that connection can be made as once beautifully uh, venkatraman sir told in one of our awareness classes he said imagine that you are having a connection with the lord a telephone connection what should you do to make that connection active and keep it you know he said imagine that to be an electronic connection if you don't use it it is not going to be active it has to be maintained it has to be maintained by constant use so similarly if you don't have the connect with swami inside you have to constantly keep making those calls and and listen to what is being told from that end two incidents one of the hospital boys was sitting for darshan once i think those were the days when swami was coming in the car and a classmate of mine was sitting behind him and those days we used to know you know the car hardly spent few minutes at one spot few hmm. seconds in one spot if you just keep moving swami turned to this boy and there was just almost like you know swami just brought his eyebrows together that hmm. kind of a look he just raised his eyebrows and looked at him there was some question in swami's face okay huh. just for a moment so immediately this boy also signaled something only with his eyes and uh, with his hands of course he just did something like that but he didn't mind anything also so then swami went away this boy was sitting next to this hospital boy turned to him and he said what happened between you and swami now and imagine this boy says no yesterday i got late in the hospital i couldn't come so swami is looking at me and asking are you fine i didn't see you yesterday i said no swami i got late <laughs> imagine oh you know, all this was happening in 2 seconds over there and swami gave a satisfied look and went away you know that was the beauty and the other episode i remember was i remember when uh, one of the boys was asking swami where he should work after his studies hmm. swami was giving him a series of instructions i think at that time swami had indicated that he could go and work at one particular place and swami said you come back to me after 3 days and then we'll decide whether that's a place suitable for you so this boy had worked for 3 days there he came back and i still remember that it was in the evening when swami was just retiring after aarti swami called that boy so this boy had put his head into swami's car and swami was discussing with him and swami was telling very loudly you know it's a good place and this person is there he'll take care of you this is a good job for you and all that but swami was not clearly telling whether he wants this boy to work there or not mm. after speaking to him for about 10 minutes you know those days elders used to sit behind in the car they were privy to the conversation which is happening between swami and this boy and they were listening to all this and just before swami given the permission to leave swami just whispered in his ear don't join there oh. okay mm. and that was the only thing which was so very firm and clear you know of all the statements that swami is telling him in that 2 3 minutes and that only he heard that only he heard so the next day he had to go and face the authorities the authorities were thinking that swami has blessed this boy to join but this boy clearly knows that swami does not want him to join there and you could imagine what happened next he went and said that no sir i don't want to join there and then the way people thought that he was disobeying swami and disrespecting swami's words but you know he had to stick to it and he could do that only because he was fearless and he knew that he had to do what swami tells him to do you know come what may after that and whatever happens after that it doesn't matter if swami tells you to do something you have to do it and that calls for a certain amount of fearlessness so if you want to have that sukshma buddhi you have to give up your attachment and you should be fearless you have to be desireless to make you fearless and then only will you be able to be in sync with the lord and reach the level that lakshmana and hanuman attained so yes this was quite a big tangent but i think as prem said this is very very beautiful very important because sukshma buddhi towards swami is something that all of us wish to inculcate all of us wish to practice and for that we have to start by focusing as swami would say sai stands for sai first all others next 
I last. We usually turn out to be IAS officers, where I first, all others next, Sai last. So putting Sai first always and all others next is the way to develop Sukshma Buddhi and be able to speak, think and do as the Lord would expect us to without the Lord having to explicitly tell us the same. The other thing which Swami mentioned was very beautiful. I don't think he has told that in many other discourses uh-huh. of uh, Rama's feet being washed. Oh yes. And Sita having the fear of her ornaments being turned into women, women like how uh, it happened. I think I'm jumping the narrative here, but this is the same thing which happens when Rama is trying to cross the river and Guha comes to help him. Yes, I think we'll pause with that much and not reveal <laughs> because that's a beautiful episode. Right, it's a very, very beautiful episode. And we'll come to that. And you know, this is also in different places how Rama reveals or rather hides his divinity. That was the reason why the same thing which Sita thinks now, the same thing which uh, Guha does later. And I think we'll be coming to that very shortly because the episodes after this, as you said, so much of importance is given to this period which is referred to in Valmiki Ramayana as Balakanda. Hmm. And after that, Ayodhya Kanda is quite fast. So I think we'll go to the last clip in that description of this Ramasita Kalyana which Swami narrates. Yes. జనకుడు రాములకు చెప్తున్నాడు రామా ఇదిగో నా పుత్రి అయినట్టు సీతను నీకు దానం చేస్తున్నాను నీవు అందుకో అన్నాడు జనక అప్పుడు ఈ యొక్క వధువు ఏం వరుడు ఏమని చెప్పాలి బ్రైడ్ గ్రూమ్ సపోజ్ టు సే ప్రేమహల్లవా అనాలి అంటే నేను తీసుకుంటున్నాను అని చెప్పాలి కానీ చెప్పటం లేదు పురోహితుడు వచ్చాడు పురోహిత్ కేమ్ రామా కాలహరణం అవుతుంది నీవు ఒప్పుకోమని చెప్పాడు ప్రీస్ట్ కేమ్ అండ్ సెట్ టైమ్ ఆఫ్ యాక్సెప్ట్ నా అప్పుడు రాములు చెప్తున్నాడు రామా స్టార్ట్ టెలింగ్ మాది ఇచ్చాకుల వంశము అవర్స్ ఇస్ ఇక్ష్వాకు క్లాన్ మేము ఇచ్చేటువంటిదే మా యొక్క వాడుకు కానీ పుచ్చుకునేటువంటిది మాకు వాడుకు లేదు అవర్ ప్రాక్టీస్ ఇస్ ఓన్లీ టు గివ్ నాట్ టు టేక్ మేము దానమంతా ఇచ్చేటువంటిదే మా యొక్క అభ్యాసము Our habit is only giving continuously. We don't accept anything from anybody. It's not our habit. We don't accept anything from anybody. It's not our habit. It's not our habit. In offering one's own daughter, not any material, you know. Even woman is also matter. So long one is in nature, everyone is a matter. If you can't remove that word offering, I am ready to accept. అప్పుడు జనక మహారాజు సూక్ష్మాన్ని గుర్తించి దానం అనే పదం తీసివేశాడు అండర్స్టుడ్ నీకిస్తున్నాను నీవు ఈమెను చక్కగా చూచుకో తల్లి లేని బిడ్డ జనక మై డాటర్ సీత ఇది భూమాత పుట్టినటువంటిది అప్పుడే అతని పురోహితుడు వచ్చి రాముని యొక్క పురోహితుడు కూడా చెప్తున్నాడు and he went on telling the poor ayya janaka maharaja sitamma talli leni bidda sita ramulu tandri leni bidda annadu sita has no mother while rama has no father anaga paayasam tho puttinatundi vaadu ramulu rama is born out of paayasa putting sambandham ledu so no connection to the iruvariki ee yokka baadalu untunnayi both have the same problem iruvarukunu satchat divya shakti swarupulu that is very divine form pudami paramatma ప్రకృతి పరమాత్మ స్వరూపులు నేచర్ ఇస్ గాడ్ నీవు ఈ విధంగా కాపాడుకోమని రామచంద్రుని కోరనక్కర్లేదు అన్నాడు యు డోంట్ రిక్వెస్ట్ రామా టు టేక్ కేర్ ఆఫ్ అప్పుడు ఈ ప్రమాణములు ఎందుకుడను ధర్మేచ అర్థేచ కామేచ నాది చరామి అని ప్రమాణం చేయాల ధర్మేచ అర్థేచ కామి ధర్మమునందును 
ధనమునందును వాంఛలయందును కూడాను నేను ఈమెను అన్ని విధాలా సంతృప్తి పరుస్తాను అని చెప్పాలి he has to take a note telling that the bridegroom will satisfy the bride in all the aspects of righteousness the wealth and desire appudu cheppadu ramulu then rama said deeniki nenu angeekarinchanu i am not going to accept this annintikini athani aamina santrupti parichatam antante naa yokka prajarajyam anetuntadanni naa prabhutvam anetuntadanni prajahitani kudanu nenu koravalsi vastundi if i am to satisfy in every respect i have to think of the welfare of my people okka vela ప్రజాక్షేమంకు అడ్డు తగిలితే నేను సీతనైనా వదులుతాను కానీ ప్రజలను నేను వదలను అనేటువంటి ప్రామిస్ చేశాడు వెన్ ఇట్ ఇస్ ఎ కాన్ఫ్లిక్ట్ బిట్వీన్ ది వెల్ఫేర్ ఆఫ్ ద పీపుల్ అండ్ సీత ఐ ఎమ్ ప్రిపేర్ టు గివ్ అప్ సీత అందువలననే ఒకనొక సమయం లోపల ఒక చాకలివాడు ఏదో మాట అన్నాడని ప్రజాక్షేమమునకై ఆదర్శవంతమైనటువంటి ఒక మాట నిమిత్తమై తాను సీతలైన అడవులు పంపాడు కానీ తాను చాకలివానికి ఏ విధమైనటువంటి శిక్షను అందించలేదు బికాస్ ఆఫ్ వన్ వాషర్మెన్ సెడ్ he simply followed and dropped sita there in the forest but he didn't punish that washerman anaga ilanti chinna chinna padamulu endukudanu aanadu katti daani endu lakshyamunche ekunti vaadu ramachandrudu rama had purpose and aim behind everything ilanti pramanam nenistunnanu what kind of ilanti pramanam naa cheta cheyinchukuntunnaru what is that anetundi daani lakshyamlo unchukoni ప్రతి దానికి కూడా తాను అంగీకరించటమో లేక అంగీకరించకపోవటమో జరుగుతూ వచ్చింది ఆనాటి సత్యమునకు ఈనాటి సత్యమునకు ఉండినటువంటి వ్యత్యాసం దట్ ఈస్ ద డిఫరెన్స్ ఇన్ ట్రూదో పురోహితుడు ఏం చెప్పినాము మమా 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 అని గ్రుడ్డిగా ఒప్పుకోవటం టుడే వాట్ ఎవర్ పురోహిత్ కానీ ఆనాటి రాజులు అంత సులభంగా ఒప్పుకునేటువంటి వారు కాదు కింగ్స్ డి నాట్ ఎక్సెప్ట్ దోస్ అంతరార్థాన్ని గుర్తించుకుని వర్తించేటువంటి రాజులు ఆనాడు రాజులు కింగ్స్ ఇన్ దోస్ డేస్ న్యూ వెరీ వెల్ దినర్ ఇన్ మీనింగ్ అండ్ దెన్ ఎక్సెప్టెడ్ ఏదో అక్కడితో ఇంకా రాములతో వ్యవహారం ఉండకూడదని విరమించుకున్నారు సరే నీ ఇష్టం వచ్చినట్టు నువ్వు చూసుకోమన్నారు దే డ్రాప్ దర్ ప్రపోజల్ ఇన్ వాంటెడ్ రామా టు గో ఇన్ ఎవరి నీ ఎప్పుడు ఎక్కడ ఏ విధంగా పరిపాలించాలో ఏ విధంగా సంతోషపెట్టాలో అది నాకు తెలుసు నాకు వదిలిపెట్టమన్నాడు రామా సెడ్ లీవ్ మీ అలోన్ లీవ్ ఇట్ టు మీ ఐ నో వెన్ వేర్ హౌ వై టు బ్లెస్ ఎ పర్సన్ మేక్ ఇమ్ హ్యాపీ జరిగిపోయింది వివాహం వెడ్డింగ్ వాస్ పెర్ఫార్మ్ ఇంకా అందరూ చేరి వధువు ఇంటికి వెళ్లారు all group and they went to bride's wedding anta chakkaga sakramanga jarugutu unnai all arrangements or were jarige samayamlo pravishwamitra vachadu the meantime vishwamitra came rama lakshmana rama lakshmana idi na kadapati aashirvadam this is the ultimate blessings and conferring ikkada nunchi ekunu himalayam ku velutunnanu from here i am proceeding to himalayas annadu he said anetappatiki ramulu lakshmanudu bhartudu shatrugnudu ee dashrath maharaju andaru kudanu bhojanam daggar nunchi lecharu రామలక్ష్మణ భర్త శత్రుఘ్న దశర్ దంపర్ ఆల్ గాటప్ సీతారామ కళ్యాణ నిమిత్తమై నేను ఇంతవరకు నించగలిగాను నా పని జరిగిపోయింది నేను ఇంక వెళుతున్నాను అన్నాడు విశ్వామిత్ర సెడ్ ఐ స్టేడ్ హియర్ అంటిల్ దిస్ వెడ్డింగ్ ఈజ్ ఓవర్ నౌ ఐఎమ్ రిటర్నింగ్ శ్రీమన్నారాయణుడే పుట్టి శ్రీ లక్ష్మీదేవియే అవతరించి ఈ ఇరువురి కళ్యాణము నా చేతుల ద్వారా చేయటం ఇంతకంటే నాకు భాగ్యమేముందని హౌ లకీ ఐ యామ్ what else i want i have performed the marriage of very narayana and adilakshmi bhagyamu akkaraledu i don't want anything more yetti sthanamu naaku akkaraledu i want any position ee shariraanni odatame naa yokka kartavyam annadu now the only thing is to drop this body aa naati nundi ee ramayanamlo ekkada kuda meeku vishwamitrunni pere ledu later you don't find vishwamitra name anywhere in ramayana 
So that was the completion of the Ramasita Kalyanam. Swami says it ends with Vishwamitra taking leave of Janaka and Dashrata and leaving for the Himalayas. But before that, two very beautiful episodes which Swami narrates. Because the one is where Rama refuses to accept Sita if it is called Kanyadhanam. That is one episode where Rama talks of Ikshvaku clan. He says that we never accept gifts. We only give in charity. But the fact that how we go through ceremonies and rituals in life without realizing what we are actually telling, you know, that is a very uh, practical point which Swami was saying. In fact, a very famous uh, example of that is in the Prashantanilya Mandir where you have that uh, shloka where you say Papoham, Papakarma. Papakarma. Swami said, why do you chant that? You know, none of us ever thought of it. We were just chanting it. It was so much against what Swami tells in his discourses where Swami says that you are all Divyatma Surupalara. And Swami... Papoham, Papakarmaham meaning I am a sinner and I do sinful deeds. Right. And it is like seeking forgiveness from God. Swami changed it to Pratoham, Pratakarmoham. Karmaham. Karmaham. He says... I am the blessed one. I am the blessed one. And what I do should be blessed and should lead me to you. I think that's a very subtle point. And Swami saying that, you know, nowadays people sit in the marriage and say, Pama, Mama, Mama, whatever. Just repeat whatever the priest says. You know, it is shocking, Prem, that sometimes what the priest himself chants is so totally wrong. The sadness or the plight of uh, Vedic study is such, you know, that is why, you know, when we hear Vednarayan sir speaking about how these Vedas are being spread in Latin America and how people are taking to Vedas and giving so much respect, reverence and learning it, it fills heart with thrill because if not for Swami, what would have happened to these great Vedas which are which are not actually texts? You know, Sanskrit only happens to be a language in which it has been put down on paper. Right. Otherwise, these are just divine vibrations. These are vibrations that are basis for the whole universe. So coming back, so when these Vedas are chanted, so many times they are chanted wrong, but it is not pointed out because who is there to point out? Whatever the priest says is the Veda there. You know, <laughs> literally, whatever he says is the Veda because nobody else knows anything. It may, you know, sound like a boast, but it is a fact that on two, three occasions, some of us, we have pointed pointed out errors in the chanting of the priest and how is it that we are able to point it out it's only because it's only because of Swami's love and grace by which he has made us pick up parts of it at least in a correct manner and so when Swami says that people just repeat it it's such a, a hitting thing you know it's such a hitting thing in fact during my own wedding even I did the same because I didn't know these mantras the wedding mantras so whatever the priest said I just chanted and yeah when Swami said that people don't even make an effort to know the meaning I'm totally guilty of it and I just hope Swami forgives me his grace Yes, just did it by rote. Mm. So it is so, so important. In fact, while researching on this frame, you know, there's something very interesting. We can discuss this a little because this was something that is there in the Ramayana. It is not there in the Ramkatha Rasavahini. But there they mention the eight kinds of marriages. Right. And each of these marriages are rated. as This is the best kind of marriage and this is the worst kind of marriage. I mean, this is from the Indian scriptures. Right? From the Indian scriptures point of view. Okay. So the best kind of marriage is called the Brahma Vivaham. The Brahma Vivaham. Vivaha means wedding. Okay. Marriage. Now, this is done when the boy completes his Brahmacharya Ashram, that is his education and uh, his period of life as a celibate. Mm-hmm. He has led a very pure life, not cast eyes on the members of the other sex. He has kept himself pure and concentrated only on his studies. That is what is celibacy and Brahmacharya. Having done this and completed his education at the Gurukula and paid his Guru Dakshina, now the parents of the boy go in search of a suitable girl, find the bride and then approach the parents of the bride for the girl's hand in marriage to the son. Right. Then the parents of the bride examine the son, his nature, his conduct, his educational qualifications, how good he is and then offer their daughter as a gift to the groom and the parents of the groom. 
and that kind of marriage you know where there is no kind of exchange of dowry no money nothing and the parents of the groom approach the parents of the bride this is considered as the highest form of marriage it is very interesting because you see we often think that ancient indian society is male chauvinistic it is not uh, the highest kind of marriage is when the groom and the parents of the groom approach the bride's parents and seek the bride's parents test and check out the groom and then permit so that is called brahma brahma vivaha and the most perfect type of marriage right. the next comes prajapatya prajapatya is similar to the brahma mm-hmm. but the parents of the girl go and search in the parents of the groom now because the parents of the girl are searching and you know the parents of the boy look and agree it's just the reversal role reversal okay so it is the next one then comes the daiva daiva vivaha in the daiva vivaha what happens is neither the parents of the boy approach that of the girl nor the of the girl approach the boy so what happens is in the first case what had happened was the groom's parents choose a specific bride and approach the parents of the bride mm-hmm. in the second case the bride's parents choose a specific groom and approach the parents of the groom okay. now there is no specific groom so the bride's parents choose any good person as a groom so this is the next level since there is no specificity it goes one rung lower mm-hmm. the bride's parents choose any good person that is daiva the next level is arsha arsha vivaham in this parents of the bride choose a good person okay and now because this was not a very specific person they choose a good enough person and in return for the daughter that they are handing groom gives two cows to the to parents the of the bride family. all right okay in gratitude for offering a good bride mm-hmm. and it is the bride's parents who have located a suitable groom there is not a specific groom but a suitable groom okay. and therefore now since there is an exchange of wealth that is taking place it is downgraded it comes down to arsha then comes the gandharva vivaha gandharva vivaha is what we can loosely term as you know a love marriage where the bride and groom select each other right and there is no parents consent in this so because there is no parents consent it falls further down then comes the asura vivaha as the name itself says see the first four the first brahma brahma is the brahman the atman right. the highest kind then comes all divine word prajapati daiva arsha these are all divine terms then gandharva is a intermediary then comes asura rakshasa and paishachika wedding mm-hmm. these are all the demonic means lesser in the scale so comes the asura wedding in the asura wedding the groom likes the girl and you don't know whether the bride likes the groom or not but the groom pays a hefty amount Mm-hmm. and it's almost like buying the bride okay so this is called an asura wedding where the groom buys over the bride because of his wealth then comes a worse category which is rakshasa wedding mm-hmm. a rakshasa wedding is when the groom literally carries away the bride doesn't even pay you know at least in the previous case he likes the bride so he pays for that and takes here he just carries away the bride finally convinces the bride that he would be a good groom and after obtaining the consent of the bride marries but is carried away that is rakshasa and the final one is called the paishachika kind of wedding which the shastras and the scriptures prohibit they say that such a wedding should not happen in this wedding it is the same where the groom kidnaps it's not carries away the bride it kidnaps the bride because afterwards also the bride is not ready she is not ready to marry this person and but she is forced into marrying so that is called a paishachika wedding which is absolutely prohibited because in the previous case also if not anything else the parents have not given consent the daughter has been carried away but in spite of that finally the girl has agreed she is happy to marry this person so that is rakshasa so this is how the eight forms of wedding i just came across this recently it was very interesting it was very interesting because you see always the emphasis has been on the acceptance by the bride and by the bride's parents all the while we think that ancient indian society is so male chauvinistic it is not it has recognized the importance of women in society
society and given the highest respect and the most suitable kind of wedding is this and i feel that is probably one reason why rama says that no in the sense he doesn't accept it when janaka, janaka says you take in the sense he doesn't want the bride's parents to offer it becomes prajapatya so with that one act of his rama takes the level of the wedding to the highest kind which is brahma wedding you know, to look at it even somebody like ravana would not go to that last level because yes. even after kidnapping sita he was all the while trying to convince sita to marry him that is why ravana is called a rakshasa right. he is not called a pishachi level. right uh-huh. i think these are all real subtleties in the indian scriptures but there are lessons in all this you know as you said the idea that the ancient indian tradition was male chauvinistic and we are right in carrying that forward is completely broken with this the you know the consent of the lady of the house and the the happy involvement of the lady of the house in family is such an important thing that is what this brings out into picture right it's such an important thing so with this not only rama sita kalyanam so much has been our focus on rama sita kalyanam that we forget that three other weddings also took place simultaneously right. that is bharata and mandavi lakshmana and urmila shatrughna and shrutakirti so all the four brothers are married to the two sets of sisters mandavi shrutakirti being the daughters of king janaka's brother kushadwaja kushadwaja and uh, sita and urmila being the daughters of king janaka right. himself and there's another a beautiful point which Swami makes here and he just drops a hint as to what is going to come where he says that when uh, the Purohits tell Rama that particular shloka where Dharmecha, Artecha, Kamecha he says that at all times I would keep the interests of Sita as my foremost duty where Rama refuses to take that pledge where Lord Rama says that first and foremost I am a king my duties lies in taking care of you know what is good for my people kingdom yes so that is my first priority so if there is a conflict of interest between me taking care of my wife's interests and the interests of my people I will sacrifice the interests of my wife so he says I cannot take this vow and Swami says this was a very important event in that wedding because this was what Rama did even later in the story of the Ramayana. We shall come to the next part of the story which is very very interesting very soon. We will take a quick break and after the song we will come to a kind of anti-climax that threatened to envelop the whole happy ceremony that had just concluded. We will come to that after this break. ¡Suscríbete 
festivities get over swami beautifully narrates the two scenarios one side there is great joy that is on the ayodhya side of the wedding that is because now the princes are going to return to the kingdom along with their brides and everybody is happy looking forward because the family has just got expanded there will be more joy there are more people it is going to be beautiful that is the ayodhya side while swami says on the mithila side there is a kind of vacuum and sorrow till now you know the princesses sita urmila especially because they are from the same kingdom the other two as well they have been like daughters for every mother in the kingdom of mithila and usually when a wedding takes place in india this is this is more particularly based in india the parents of the bride they know that they are sending their daughter off to the groom's house so there is a kind of sorrow at separation why only to the parents i remember when my sister got married i myself though i would spend very little time in the physical presence of my sister because i was all the while in puttaparthi i still felt a kind of vacuum thinking oh my god you know sister is now going off to the other home will she be there so that is a kind of vacuum the family members of the bride feel but these princesses were the darling of everyone's hearts they were the apple of everyone's eyes and therefore that kind of pangs of separation was felt not only by the royal family but by the whole kingdom and so swami said that there was a kind of sorrow in the entire mithila kingdom that sita is going off and that was when vashishta 
and the other great sages had to actually console the royal family and the others saying that we one should not feel sorrow because if we look at it this is a glorious event this has been divinely ordained rama and sita had to come together in union of wedlock and that has taken place and the very fact that you have all witnessed it it is such a glorious thing in your lives and these are some consolatory words which do not actually completely comfort the people but assuage the sorrow to some extent and after that the entire retinue with horses the armies the elephants the chariots everyone set off from mithila towards ayodhya it is midway towards the journey that they start observing so many bad omens as they say right i think one of the things which is said is the thick clouds the condition becomes overcast when it is not supposed to be there is sudden striking of thunder and another very weird happening is all the wild bees start circumambulating this entire retinue yes and circumambulation is something that we do only to temples and gods we move right. around them thrice so the wild animals start doing it so when uh, when everybody is fearful dasharatha asks this to vashishta what is this that is happening vashishta tells him that you know while the thunder claps and the mountains rolling down and the dark clouds and trees falling this thunderstorm all seem like a bad omen the fact that the animals are circumambulating and you know doing something that is akin to prayer it shows that something good will come out of it in the end and that is when they have a look at a very ferocious looking being headed towards them he is dressed as a brahmana that is he is having the loin cloth and the dhoti over it but his body structure is like that of a superman you know warrior. powerful warrior his thick trunk like arms on them he is wielding an axe an axe that is double edged so with that and he is having bloodshot eyes he seems to be very angry and on the other hand he is carrying a bow and carrying this bow and axe he is coming walking towards them it is none other than parshurama and he seems to be in great anger it's so beautiful the way swami gives this entry for parshurama i think it's worth reading in the ramkatha swami the way swami says that there is a storm and the dust is raising not anybody is able to see the chariot in front of them and it's so dark suddenly and except for those occasional lightnings which lights up the whole place and just there he is standing there you know more fears than the storm itself and there he is standing as you said with a double edged axe and swami beautifully describes that everybody is shuddering including the army and the uh, in know, fact swami writes that most of the army has fallen unconscious because of the terrible storm and right. the, the fear that they get looking at nature's fury those few who have managed to stand on and brave it they also start shivering and trembling once they look at the massive frame and the anger that parshurama embodies and swami says in the entire entourage the only people who are calm are dasharatha because he is in the presence of vashishta the four brothers rama lakshmana bharata and shatrughna because they are divine beings and the four queens that is the princesses that is sita mandavi Actually, Swami says among the four princesses, only Sita was brave, and she was consoling the others. This again is a very subtle point, you know. Swami saying everybody shivering, even the mothers are scared of the event which is happening. And Swami saying Rama, Lakshmana, Bharata, Shatrughna, and Dasharatha, and only Sita is brave. And the statement which Sita says is, you know, it is like a jackal coming in front of a lion. That Don't worry. Her confidence and faith in Rama's valor and bravery. Right. Again, going back to the difference of Sita being the mind which has the understanding that the. 
Atma is God. Fearlessness will be a nature of that mind. And that is what Swami is showing here because Sita is undaunted by what she's seeing. And that is when this you know, colossal image of Parashurama walks right into where Dasharatha and the rest are standing. And the moment he sees that Dasharatha is shuddering because you know the history of Parashurama is very, very interesting because he is, as we have said, has been the cause of the killing of 21 generations of Kshatriyas. Kshatriyas. The warrior caste. The warrior caste. Yes. And here he is now coming across another great Kshatriya clan. But, you know, Parshurama would have actually given up. He would have deemed that his mission is complete. He would have conquered the entire earth. Afterwards, as Dakshina, he would have offered the entire earth to Kashyapa. Right. To Sage Kashyapa. So, Kashyapa is now the overlord of the earth. And Parshurama would have said that since the earth does not belong anymore to him, he does not want to stay on the land of others. So, he has retired to the Mahendra mountains where he does his penance. And throughout the day, he roams about the earth. But by nightfall, he is back to Mahendra mountain because he does not want to be on territory that belongs to others. How is he able to do that? It is because he has this boon of being so fleet-footed. He can move at the speed of light almost. So, within moments from any part of the earth, he can get back to Mahendra mountain and he can get from Mahendra mountain to any part of the earth. And that is how he continues to do his daily wandering, Parshurama. And that is how he has landed up so fast over here. You know, people often ask, Mahendra mountain is so far. How did Parshurama land up near Rama's retinue? The uh, retinue that was headed towards Ayodhya. It was because of this boon that he lands up here. And he is angry because, as we narrated in the previous episode, there are two bows that Vishwakarma, the divine architect, made. One was given to Lord Shiva. The other was given to Lord Vishnu. And Lord Shiva's bow is the one that he used to inhalate the Tripura. We discussed that. And then Rama has broken that bow. So Parshurama says that you are thinking no end of yourself. See, he has not witnessed what has actually happened in the court of Janaka. So, he just assumes that, you know, it's almost like he feels possibly the cancer has returned. The Kshatriyas were a scourge on society. He has come and annihilated everyone and he thinks that here now within a short time comes another Kshatriya who is as boastful as to disregard and break the bow of Shiva. So, he tells Rama, you think you're strong and brave because you broke Shiva's bow. It would have got, you know, eroded and weakened because of not being in Here is the bow that Lord Vishnu himself, you know, he tells the story of the bow. He says it has been given to sage Rishika and Rishika gave to Jamadagni who is his own father and that is now with Parshurama which has been in active use and therefore it is as strong as ever and he says Rama if you think you are really having the strength try wielding this bow Right. and then you know Rama says the beauty is Swami writes as Parshurama kept getting more and more angry Rama starts getting calmer and calmer this is so beautiful and in fact when Parshurama tells this Lakshmana is not able to bear you know he is again righteous anger rises and he says Parashurama, you know, he's your namesake here. Parashu means axe. So, he says, you're Rama of the Parashu. This is Kodanda Rama. This is Rama of the Kodanda. He's the Rama with the bow. You're the Rama with the axe. Don't you recognize the name and glory of your namesake? Don't be so foolish. This is child's play. That bow will get thrashed. You don't try to challenge because you have no idea whom you're offering this bow to. That's when Lakshmana steps in and says, why are you challenging Rama? Even I can step in and break that bow. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a toy in front of us. And that's what uh, Lakshmana says. Exactly, as we said, that right 
righteous anger of lakshmana it's one and, of those and points it's also possible it, uh, because you know rama is just an amshavatar when we talk of avatars uh, amshavatar means partial avatar purna avatar is a complete avatar and of course our swami is our purna avatar but among the dashavatars of vishnu only krishna is considered as a purna avatar right so they say that a purna avatar has 16 aspects parshurama is also an amshavatar of lord vishnu apparently he had three aspects only out of 16 mm-hmm. Rama had 10 aspects and Lakshmana had one Bharata had one Shatrughna had one so 10 plus 3 13 aspects of a avatar and uh, as we shall see later on the three aspects in Parshurama also get merged into the 10 of Rama so later on it becomes Rama with 13 aspects of the avatar with one aspect each being with Lakshmana Bharata and Shatrughna and since that one aspect of divinity is with Lakshmana also Lakshmana says that even i can wield the bow you know that is the truth it is not just an idol boast it is not a word spoken in anger see that is one thing about righteous anger though spoken in anger one never transgresses from the truth the right. truth is always spoken though one is angry and so that is what lakshmana says but again as swami beautifully describes the more and more people get angry the more and more calm that rama gets you know rama calmly pacifies parshurama and says parshurama i don't know why are you doing this now but i am ready to do it i am ready to wield the bow but rama reminds him you know rama has three vows right. okay mata okay bana okay patni that is how swami says that is one arrow one word and one wife so he says if i wield the bow and put an arrow on the bow i will have to discharge the arrow i cannot just you know withdraw the arrow and put it back in the quiver now tell me where i should leave the arrow and then rama picks up the bow and easily strings it and holds it is ready with the arrow now he says i have drawn the string i have to release it now i cannot do anything but that now tell me parshurama where i should release the arrow now this sight in itself you know parshurama is overawed he realizes that the time for his avatar to end has come you know parshurama is an amsha avatar of lord vishnu he had come with a purpose he realizes that his purpose is complete if at all anything is to be done it will be taken over by the rama avatar he realizes that and then rama puts the two conditions he says see i do not want to kill you because you are a brahmin a brahmin is defined as one who is in pursuit of brahman one who is in pursuit of realizing his identity with the soul and not with the body so to kill such a person to kill the body of such a person is a sin because one is engaged in the highest pursuit the ultimate goal of one's life so he says i cannot kill a brahmana i won't kill you so there are two choices now should i with this arrow destroy your fleet footedness your ability to traverse the globe in seconds or should i destroy the phala the fruit of all the penance that you have done till now i have to direct my arrow against one of these two tell me what i should direct it against instantly the prayer emanates from parshurama's heart that lord you know i don't have any possession i stay at mahendra mountain and i'm able to travel to and from there because of my fleet footedness so i need my fleet footedness and i can continue my penance later on because you know parshurama is a chiranjeevi he is a being whom they say exists even to this day he has no death so he feels that he has all the time in the universe literally to do penance and regain his penance but his fleet footedness he does not want to leave and so therefore he says rama all my spiritual splendor i offer it to you you can you know in the sense destroy that because in a subtle manner you see that that spiritual splendor has also resulted in ego in parshurama the ego because of which he is unable to recognize rama and the minute rama releases his arrow and destroys that parshurama immediately falls at the feet of rama transfers everything that he has got to rama and then using his fleet footedness returns back to the mahendra mountain and the point that you mentioned about parshurama being chiranjeevi because even in the mahabharata you will know that parshurama is the one who 
ट्यूटर्ड भीष्मा ही ट्यूटर्ड करना ही ट्यूटर्ड द्रोणाचार्य सो ही इज वन हु इज लिव्ड ऑल थ्रू दैट इनफैक्ट द स्टोरी ऑफ परेशरा मैम सेल्फ इज सो इंटरेस्टिंग यू नो मे बी वी शुड डिवेल लिटल ऑन दैट वेन वी कम बैक नेक्स्ट टाइम विद रामकृष्ण एक्जैक्टली बिकॉज टाइम इज ऑलरेडी एक्जैक्टली बिकॉज इट्स अ वेरी इंटरेस्टिंग स्टोरी यू नो दर लॉट ऑफ इंटरेस्टिंग डिटेल्स इन दैट विच मेक दैट स्टोरी सो रिवेटिंग मे बी समटाइम वी शुड डिस्कस लिटल अबाउट दैट एज यू सेट द टाइम इज रेली अप एंड वी नीड टू कंक्लूड दिस एपिसोड वी हैव कंक्लूडेड द रामा परशुरामा मीटिंग फॉर द सेक ऑफ completion of one particular stage in the story but we are not yet done completely with the details of parshurama and some amazing stories and facts which connects and there are also some doubts you know like how can one avatar exist when other avatar is there the avatars come actually in cycles one after another so there are some other little doubts that we shall attempt to clear during the next of the ramkatha rasavahini we hope that you have been enjoying this nectarous flow of lord rama stories which gets mixed with the nectarous of another beautiful story of our sai rama because having experienced the love grace and beauty satyam shyam sundaram of our dear swami we cannot help but remember him every time we read his descriptions of rama because we have not seen rama but we have definitely seen sai rama so hope you have enjoyed listening to this as much as we have enjoyed narrating the story any feedback that you have the welcome you can write to listener at radiosai.org we offer this segment at the lotus feet of our swami and also offer our prostrations to hanuman who is ever present whenever the ramkatha is narrated and sung we got to leave you with the ramakatha song which swami used to so fondly ask his students to sing and interestingly this particular part of ramakatha will end exactly with the part in which we have completed this segment so dear listeners enjoy this ramakatha rendition and till we meet you next week this is arvind and prem from team radio sai signing off thank you jai sai ram
Jairam. You just heard an episode of our radio program, Afternoon Satsang. This was a segment of Radio Sai's Thursday Live, hosted by Prem and Arvind at 12.30pm Indian Standard Time on Thursdays, only on Asia stream of Radio Sai Global Harmony. The discussion was on the Ramakatha Rasavahini, a book written by Swami, and today's episode was first broadcast live on 18th September 2014. Dear listeners, we hope you like this program. As always, send us your feedback to listener at radiosai.org. Thank you and loving Sai Ram from Prashanthi Nilayam.